right, if you'll please turn with me to Deuteronomy chapter 33. And note as I key this up, Deuteronomy 33, that if I don't say hi to you after the service, I'm not being unfriendly. I won't even hand out the bread tonight. Uh, the rosters are under the weather, so that's why. Um, I'll say that. I'll also say I'm, I'm so glad that uh, the Lord has arranged it so that this morning, Pastor Trice preached an excellent sermon on common grace, and now this is on specific grace, particular grace. And uh, if you're wondering why we're skipping the part about Moses' death, we'll pick that up next week. Next week, we'll just hit all of Moses' death all at once. So, but today, chapter 33, the entirety of it, all about Moses' blessing on Israel. which reads, this is the blessing with which Moses, the man of God, blessed the people of Israel before his death. He said, the Lord came from Sinai and dawned from Seir upon us. He shone forth from Mount Paran. He came from the ten thousands of holy ones with flaming fire at his right hand. Yes, he loved his people. All his holy ones were in his hand. So they followed in your steps, receiving direction from you. When Moses commanded us a law as a possession for the assembly of Jacob, thus the Lord became king in Jeshurun, when the heads of the people were gathered, all the tribes of Israel together. Let Reuben live and not die, but let his men be few. And this he said of Judah, Hear, O Lord, the voice of Judah, bring him in to his people. With your hands, contend for him and be a help against his adversaries. And of Levi, he said, Give to Levi your Thumim and your Urim to your godly one, whom you trusted at Massa, with whom you quarreled at the waters of Meribah, who said of his father and mother, I regard them not. He disowned his brothers and ignored his children, for they observed your word and kept your covenant. They shall teach Jacob your rules and Israel your law. They shall put incense before you and whole burnt offerings on your altar. Bless, O Lord, his substance and accept the work of his hands. Crush the loins of his adversaries, of those who hate him, that they rise not again. Of Benjamin, he said, The beloved of the Lord dwells in safety. The high God surrounds him all day long and dwells between his shoulders. And of Joseph, he said, Blessed by the Lord be his land with the choicest of gifts of heaven above and of the deep that crouches beneath, with the choicest fruits of the sun, and the rich yield of the months, with the finest produce of the ancient mountains, and the abundance of the everlasting hills, with the best gifts of the earth and its fullness, and the favor of him who dwells in the bush. May these rest on the head of Joseph, on the pate of him who is prince among his brothers. A firstborn bull, he has majesty, and his horns are the horns of a wild ox. With them he shall gore the peoples, all of them, to the ends of the earth. They are the ten thousands of Ephraim, and they are the thousands of Manasseh. Zebulun, he said, Rejoice, Zebulun, in your going out, and Issachar in your tents. They shall call people to their mountain, to peoples to their mountain. There they offer right sacrifices, for they draw from the abundance of the seas and the hidden treasures of the sand. And of Gad, he said, Blessed be he who enlarges Gad. Gad crouches like a lion. He tears off arm and scalp. He chose the best of the land for himself, for there a commander's portion was reserved. And he came with the heads of the people. With Israel he executed the justice of the Lord, 
and his judgments for Israel. And of Dan, he said, Dan is a lion's cub that leaps from Bashan. And of Naphtali, he said, O Naphtali, sated with favor and full of the blessing of the Lord, possess the lake in the south. And of Asher, he said, Most blessed of sons be Asher. Let him be the favorite of his brothers. Let him dip his foot in oil. Your bars shall be iron and bronze, and as your days, so shall your strength be. There is no God like God, O Jeshurun, who rides through the heavens to your help, through the skies in his majesty. The eternal God is your dwelling place, and underneath are the everlasting arms. And he, thrust, and he thrust out the enemy before you and said, destroy. So Israel lived in safety, Jacob lived alone, in a land of grain and wine whose heavens drop down dew. Happy are you, O Israel, who is like you, a people saved by the Lord, the shield of your help and the sword of your triumph. Your enemies shall come fawning to you, and you shall tread upon their backs. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, what can we say but our Father who shines down, our Father who rides on the air to our aid, Lord, would you please bless us tonight? Would you please attend this word, fill it by your spirit, apply it to our hearts, Lord, so that it might be a blessing, Lord, uh, give us an even deeper impression on our heart of what it means that we are blessed by God. Give us great thankfulness, give us a sense of our great privilege, Lord, elevate yourself in our sight, may we leave this place saying, in ourselves. Happy are those whose people is the Lord, whose Lord is Lord of all people. So we pray this, Lord, and ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, last week we talked about Moses' last recorded words about the covenant, how he pleaded with God's people, set this word in your heart, and tonight we're talking about Moses' last recorded act, his blessing the tribes of Israel. So this blessing we're looking at tonight, it fits a well-established pattern in the Bible. Just like Isaac blessed his sons on his deathbed, just like Jacob blessed his sons on his deathbed, now Moses comes as a father figure for Israel, and he gives his own deathbed blessing. And what a blessing it is. This is a huge blessing, so this is actually a really important topic for us to think carefully about tonight, the topic of blessing, because well, this is something that we really want. We want God's blessing on ourselves. We want it on our children and on our work and on our church. And we want it on everything. And we have to ask the important questions, though. Well, what is a blessing? Where does it come from? How does it work? How do we get it? And what blessings does God promise us? So seeing the importance of this topic, let's take it under four headings tonight. Let's first, let's just talk about what blessing is. Let's talk about a theology of blessing. Second, let's talk about the blessing that Moses pronounces for all the people, the common blessing for all of God's people. Third, let's look at the blessings that Moses pronounces for each tribe in particular. And then last, let's talk about how we can apply these blessings to ourselves. Do a little work figuring that out. So let's start first with our first point. The big question, well, what is blessing? Let's do a mini theology of blessing. I think one of the hardest things about the concept of blessing is that our sinful hearts tend to take this concept and we twist it and we bend it to sort of match our own desires. And so some people don't think much of God's blessing at all. It's just a word they use to humble brag. They'll say, well, see my house and my family and my perfect photos and my vacation. They'll hashtag, hashtag blessed. 
Or other people think of blessings like they're these magical things. They're these secret spiritual powers that you can tap into. If you say the right word, if you do the right ritual, you can make God give you good stuff. And sometimes Christians think this way. But what does the Bible say about blessing? If we take together, all together, the the words that the Bible has about blessing, I think a good basic biblical definition of blessing, and it is basic, is just this. It's that blessings are good things from God's hand for those who are in a right relationship with him. That's what a blessing is, good things from God's hand for those who are in a right relationship with God. So let's break that down a little bit. So at base, what is a blessing? Well, a blessing is a good thing from God, and it's any good thing, really. A house, his favor, fertility, authority, godly parents, a clean conscience, the list goes on and on and on. Blessings are good things from God. So where do blessings come from? Well, they, they always come from God. Sometimes he pronounces blessing through a servant. Sometimes he uses a servant to deliver a blessing, but blessings are always, only, ultimately from God. They don't have an independent origin apart from God. And even when Moses blesses his people, it's really God blessing his people through Moses. It's an important distinction. And so then the next question is, okay, well then who are God's blessings for? Well, God's blessings, strictly speaking, they're reserved for those who are in a right relationship with him. Now, of course, we know people enjoy God's common grace. We heard about that this morning. Absolutely true. Things like life and food and family and sunshine and even vocation and skills. But a blessing in the purest sense of the word is reserved for only those who find themselves under the favor of God. Ultimately and eternally and really and truly, it's for God's people that are in a right relationship with him. Lest you contract the curses of the covenant. So, that's what a blessing is. Blessings are good things from God's hands for those who are in a right relationship with him. If you thought it was something more, something more magical, sorry to disappoint. That's what it is. So now that we've established a basic theology of blessing, let's turn back to our text for tonight. Let's look at all the blessings that Moses pronounces for the tribes of Israel. And as I look at these blessings, I think I see two categories of blessing being pronounced. Uh, I think uh, we'll look at the first one in turn. So here's the first category of blessing. Blessings that Moses pronounces for all of God's people in general. So there's a lot of blessings mentioned in this passage. Uh, There's one that, there's one blessing I think though that stands out at the beginning of this passage and at the end of this passage. And that's the blessing of God himself. So you see, since God is the highest good, And since he's the fountain and source of all blessing, the highest blessing that anybody could ever hope to receive is him. So Moses begins and ends a pronouncement of blessings with a poetic revelation about God. So you look at the beginning of this passage, it describes how God, verse 2, reveals himself with light and power. How he, verse 3, sets his love on his people. Verse 4, how he revealed his goodwill to his people in his law. Verse 5, how he reigns as king over Jeshurun. Jeshurun's just a pet name for Israel. It means upright one. So from the outset, God is presenting himself as the big blessing, the root blessing. It's Israel's highest blessing to know God, to be loved by God, to follow God, to be ruled by God. That's Israel's biggest blessing. And then this blessing gets even more explicit on the other side of all the pronouncements because at the end of all these specific blessings, Moses boldly declares 
verse 26, there is none like God, O Jeshurun. And consequently, verse 29, there is none like Israel, a people saved by the Lord. Then he lists all the benefits that flow. If you've got God revealed in the beginning, now you've got all the blessings that flow just from knowing God at the end. He emphasizes God's sovereignty and help. He rides through the heavens to your help. He emphasizes God's safety and support. The eternal God is your dwelling place. It's the word for like an animal den, a place of safety. And underneath are the everlasting arms. He emphasizes God's provision and protection, a land of grain and wine, enemies fawning, all of that. I love how Matthew Henry, I guess it's Matthew Henry Day today, he lists all the blessings that flow out of knowing God. He says, never were people so, so seated and sheltered. Never were people so well supported and borne up. Never were people so well commanded and led to battle. Never were people so well secured and protected. And he goes on like this for a very long time. And then he says, now lay all this together, and then you will say, happy art thou, O Israel, who is like unto thee, O people, thrice happy the people whose God is the Lord. This is the blessing. It's knowing God. Jesus said, this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. This is the baseline blessing God gives all of his people. Nearness, relationship with God. And listen, if we could stop there, if that's what God said, if God said, that's all the blessing I have for you, that would be enough. And I know our hearts don't fully grasp this, and I know it doesn't feel like enough, especially when you're going through hard times, but God himself is the highest blessing imaginable. We don't even realize what we have just by virtue of the fact that we are called Christian because we have him. We have him. And I'll sneak in one more quote. I got this quote from my current commentary, but it's by Coleridge. Coleridge said, on the eve of my departure, this is one of his last words, he said, on the eve of my departure, I declare to you that health is a great blessing. Competence obtained by honorable industry, it's a great blessing. And a great blessing it is to have kind, faithful, and loving friends and relatives. But that the greatest blessing, as it is the most ennobling of all privileges, is to be indeed a Christian. Amen to that. Happy are those whose God is the Lord. Sermon over. No, that, we could stop there. That's, that's the best. So but let's go to our second point. Let's talk about the, the specific blessings that Moses pronounces for each tribe in particular. Now that you've seen the blessings that he pronounces for all the people, and it's enough, let's look at the cherry on top for each tribe, uh, the blessings for each tribe in particular. And so as we do this, I want you to notice three things about this, just kind of things to notice. First, I want you to notice these blessings have a very long history. They're rooted in something. Uh, they're very similar to the blessings that Jacob gives to his sons, actually sometimes word for word. Uh, but in a lot of cases, their reason for being stretches back to what the patriarchs did, to what their federal heads did. So all this goes to show God's blessings, he has a long memory. He's very faithful. His blessings persist down through time. And our actions make a difference for these blessings. That's the first thing I want you to notice. Second thing I think you'll notice is that these blessings have a future orientation. They're looking to the future. They're telling the future. They're actually talking about blessings that people didn't have yet, blessings they're about to get on the other side of the conquest, on the other side of the promised land. So in a lot of cases, they actually tell the future so precisely 
that liberal scholars say, ah, oh, they must have been written later in history. They must have been written after the fact, but you, of course, know that's not true. This is by Moses' hand. All this goes to show that God's blessings are sure. He can talk about the things that aren't as though they are, the New Testament says. And he always does what he says he's going to do. And third, so you'll notice these, these blessings stretch back in time. They look forward to another time, but you'll also notice, and I think this is really important to get, I want you to notice that as God makes these blessings, God is entirely free to bless each person exactly how he wants to bless them. So all his blessings are grace, make no mistake, they're all undeserved, but some of the blessings just seem to happen just because, because God just wants to. Like you look at Naphtali, he's got favor in this inheritance, and you think, well, what did Naphtali do to deserve that? Well, nothing, so far as we know, but some just come just because, because God's just that way. And some of the blessings are rewards. Like Levi, he's blessed with this amazing ministry because he's so loyal. So blessing, here's the point, blessing is entirely God's free prerogative. He can give them or withhold them as he sees fit. And none can say, why have you done so and so? So that being so, now let's go through these tribes. And I want want to see how they're blessed, each one. And I'll do them in short summaries. So first, look at Reuben. Reuben receives, I'm calling it the blessing of mercy. His blessing actually sounds a little strange. Let Reuben live and let his men be few. It's almost like saying, let Reuben be blessed, but not that much. Uh, It might sound strange till you remember that Reuben slept with his father's concubine in Genesis 35. And this is probably a result of that. So God gives him the blessing of mercy. His line is allowed to continue, but it never thrives. You never hear much about Reuben going forward. A couple of places, a little bit of Ezekiel, but not much. Second, Judah... Judah receives the blessing of military aid. You look back at Jacob's blessing in Genesis 49. Judah's blessed with military strength. Judah would often lead the tribes into battle. In Judges, he leads the tribes into battle. In Judah's blessing, it's full of things that a warrior wants to hear. Things like, hear his prayers. Restore him to his people. Give him your help, O God. So Judah is blessed with a special military aid. Third, you've got Levi. Levi could have a sermon all on his own. Levi receives the blessing of meaningful ministry. And this is interesting. In in Jacob's blessing back in Genesis 49, Levi and Simeon are in trouble. Actually, their blessing sounds more like a curse because of the cruel vengeance that they do on the men of Shechem earlier in Genesis in revenge for what they did against their sister, and God promises that they'll be scattered. He says, Levi, Simeon, you'll be scattered. This is probably why you don't find Simeon in this list at all, because by this time, his tribe's already starting to be dispersed into Judah. But in Levi's case, God turns the curse around because Levi's loyal at Massa and Meribah, and because the Levites are the ones that stood with Moses in the golden calf incident, putting to death idolaters, Even if they're their own family members, God blesses them. So instead of being scattered in disgrace like Simeon, they're scattered in ministry. They're sprinkled through the tribes in ministry. So here you see they're given the the blessing. They get to consult God with the Urim and Thummim, whatever that means. And they're given the job of teaching the law and making sacrifices before God. And so the Levites are blessed with a special position of ministry 
God says he'll protect them. He'll protect their substance. He'll destroy their enemies. Fourth, Benjamin. Benjamin receives the blessing of safety. He's beloved by God just like he's beloved by his father Jacob. He's blessed with safety. And the Hebrew here either means God rests between his shoulders or he rests between God's shoulders, depending on how the pronoun fits. Either way, he's in a place of safety. Uh, Fifth, Joseph split up into the tribes of Ephraim and Manasseh. They received the blessings of plenty, material plenty, and power. So the first half of the blessings here, they're about fruitfulness, material prosperity, gifts of heaven, that'd be the rain, gifts from the deep, that'd be fresh springs, the abundance of the everlasting hills, all these things. The word gift appears over and over again here in Hebrew. The second half of the blessings are about princely status, majesty, might. Think the prophecy given to Joseph. So the language here, in a lot of places, it's a direct quotation of Jacob's blessing, Genesis 49, and it all comes true as Ephraim becomes Israel's capital, the place where they begin their worship of God, their Shiloh. Actually, Joshua is even from the house of Joseph. So Joseph receives the blessings of plenty and power. Then 6 and 7, they go faster from now on. Zebulun and Issachar, they get what I'm calling vocational sweetness. Jacob's blessing back in Genesis 49 talks about how Zebulun is a seagoer and Issachar is full of farmers and herdsmen. So expanding on that, Zebulun is blessed going out, out to sea probably, maybe out to war. But Issachar is blessed in his tents, probably staying at home with his flocks. Both are prospered. Both are able to successfully call other people to the mountain to worship. So I'm saying they receive the blessing of vocational sweetness. They are salt and light in their workplace, I guess you could say. The next three tribes, 8, 9, and 10, they all get blessings that are future-focused. So Gad is promised might. He's going to be a mighty man, and he actually ends up being a mighty man. Some of the mightiest men of David are from Gad. It seems like Moses is talking about the future because Gad received some of the choicest land on the other side of the Jordan, and Gad would cross over the Jordan and fulfill his promise to lead the rest of the nation into their inheritance, to go into battle first. Then Dan is called a lion cub, leaping from Bashan. He's talking about, if he's a cub, he's talking about how timid he would be. Dan's actually pretty afraid of the Canaanites and and declines taking his inheritance for a while, but one day he grows to be fierce like a lion. In Judges 18, we see Dan ruthlessly conquer an area in the north of Israel near a place called Bashan. That's a direct prophecy. Naphtali's blessed with favor and fullness. I like that blessing, to be favored by God and full. That sounds very nice. But then Moses also peeks into the future and, you know, mind you, The inheritance hasn't been given yet. People don't know what little slice of the pie they're getting, but Moses tells them, and your slice will be right here. He points at it. Then 11th, Asher receives the blessing of happiness. That's another nice blessing. His blessing is, it's just an exegesis of his name. Asher means happiness. Asher's promised the favor of his people. Riches, that's what a toe dipped in oil in. It's riches, by the way, and and security. Those bolts of iron and bronze, it's, those are padlocks. Security in a high-traffic part of the world. And then we have nothing for Simeon because he's already, you, know, you heard about Simeon. So these are the blessings of each of the tribes in a nutshell. 
And all along, I've tried to show you they have historical roots. They have deep history. They also have a bright promise for the future. They're forward-looking. They told the future. And God's, we also saw that God has complete freedom to give out these blessings as he sees fit. Simeon receives little. Reuben receives little. Naphtali receives much. Uh, Ephraim receives much, and so on and so forth. So I think you put all these blessings together, and here's what you have. You have sort of a full orb overflowing complete pot of blessing. So you've got mercy, military might, meaningful ministry, safety, plenty, power, vocation, a future hope, and happiness. I can't really think of much else. So as a whole, if you look at the people of God as a whole, the people of God were promised about the best blessings you could ever hope for, all because they're in covenant with God, and it would only continue so long as they stay in covenant with God, as we'll find out later in Jeremiah and the rest of the Bible. Which leads us to our last point, as we see this full orb blessing for these people. Let's talk now about how these blessings apply to us today. I think this is probably one of the most important parts of the sermon for us, because we kind of need to know, are these blessings still for us? Do they still apply to us? Well, the good news, I'll spoil the the punchline, the good news is that they are, that these blessings are still for us. We're still God's covenant people, uh, so you can be sure that these blessings are still for us in some way. Paul calls us the Israel of God, Galatians 6. Romans 11, he says, we've been grafted into the tree of Israel. Ephesians 2, he says, Jesus has broken down the wall that divides Jew and Gentiles. We're one people, one people of God, by faith, children of Abraham, by faith. And and I could go on, but suffice it to say, we're still the people of God. These blessings are still for us. And because we live in the new covenant, these blessings have only been heightened. They've only gotten better for us. But then the question remains, and it's probably a burning question in your heart right now, how are these blessings applied to us today? Because even though there's a lot of continuity between Moses' blessings and our blessings, there are also some important differences about how these blessings are applied in the new covenant. So let's think carefully about this. So looking back at our points for tonight, point one is still exactly the same. Blessing still means the same thing. It's still works the same. Uh, Blessings are good things from God's hands for people who are in right relationship with him. Nothing about that has changed. It's still exactly the same. Point one. Point two is also exactly the same. God himself is still the biggest blessing. It's still eternal life to know him, Jesus says. All blessings flow out of our one chief blessing. James 1 says, every good and perfect gift comes from above, coming down from the Father. That's why we sing every day, every Sunday, Praise God from whom all blessings flow. So point two is still exactly the same. But that brings us to point three, the particular application of specific blessings at any given point in time. And this is where we have to make sure that we have the right expectation. Some people read this passage still today and they think, well, the blessings are still applied the exact same way today. So some people are are easily deceived by health and wealth preachers who talk about these blessings, teaching that God has obligated himself that if you do the right prayer, if you do the right ritual, God has to give you material prosperity immediately. 
That's how an irresponsible surface reading of this text, what it yields. And other people get really discouraged by this passage. They read this, they think, well, if God still blesses his people with favor and prosperity, if he still blesses his people, then how come I can't get pregnant? How come I lost my job? Why am I being persecuted? Why am I poor? He must not love me. Or he lied. Or worse. Or so to set our expectations in the right place, we have to remember that, yes, every good thing we have is a blessing from God. Everything is. But also we have to acknowledge that the New Testament does not emphasize material blessing the same way that the Old Testament does. At least not with the same kind of immediacy. That's our key word, the same kind of immediacy. I challenge you, search the New Testament for promises of immediate material blessing. And you won't find it. Not for right now, anyway. Why is that? It all has to do, I'm convinced, with how God dispenses blessing. How he gives out blessing freely according to his prerogative and his plan. He gives it to who he wishes, when he wishes, and... So ask yourself, what was God's mission and his plan for his people in the Old Covenant? It was to pour these material blessings on a specific nation so that all the world could come and see the excellency of their God. Think Queen of Sheba comes in, tells Solomon, the half has not been told. Wow. But what's God's mission and plan for us now in the New Covenant? Well, now our mission is to go and bring this blessing of Christ out to the whole world even if it means suffering. I think a good way to look at this is to look at Israel's historical moment in our story and look at how it matches our moment. Here in Deuteronomy 33, Israel, they're coming out of a wilderness. They're about to start conquering a land. They're being promised future blessings on the other side of conquest. And I think that's a really good picture of where we're at in the New Covenant, brothers and sisters, in a certain sense. We live in a spiritual wilderness right now. We're in the last days, the days before our Yeshua, our, jo- our Jesus leads us into glory. We have a world to conquer by proclamation, proclamation of Christ, by words and by deeds. We stand under the promise of future material blessing. Israel stood under the promise, yeah, on the other side of conquest, wait, then the material blessing. We have the same promise, same timing. That means that our material blessings, not all of them, but many of them, they lie on the other side of war. They lie on the other side of suffering. I wonder if you're unconvinced. Well, I'm just going to heap up a cumulative case from Scripture, because this is so important for our expectations. James 1.12, blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial, for when he has stood the test... Then he will receive the crown of life, which God has promised to those that love him. Future blessing. Revelation 14, 13. I heard a voice from heaven saying, write this. Blessed are the dead who die in the Lord from now on. Blessed indeed, says the Spirit, that they may rest from their labors, for their deeds follow them. Revelation 19, 9. Blessed are those who are invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb. That's future. I want you to see the principle of Luke 14. Luke 14, 13, Jesus says this. He says this all over the place in the Bible, but he says, when you give a feast, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, and you will be blessed 
because they can't repay you, for you will be repaid at the resurrection of the just. You see, when he says the blessing comes, you will be repaid at the resurrection of the just. So sure, we're blessed with all kinds of things in the here and now. John 15, Jesus says, if you abide in him, if you stay close to me, you'll, you'll have the blessing of being close to me, of being disciplined by me, pruned. You'll be blessed with being useful to me, having your prayers answered by me. You'll have fullness of joy. All these things. Ephesians 1 says, he has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. We have so much blessing, but the fullness of material blessing comes later. It just does. I'll prove it to you one more. This is probably the, the crowning example, Matthew 5. Remember the Beatitudes, Jesus says, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, they will be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, they will receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, they will be called the sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great. Tomorrow, no, in heaven. Do you see the future orientation? All the blessings, future orientation. So yeah, every good thing that you enjoy today is a blessing from God. You have so many blessings, spiritual blessings, even real you have material blessings. Uh, everything you have is a blessing from God. 1 Corinthians 4, what do you have that you've not received? Enjoy those blessings. Give thanks for those blessings. But know this. Know that you're not promised the fullness of material blessing right away. You have to wait for his kingdom to come the rest of the way. And here's why this should come as no surprise to you. It's because you follow Jesus. You follow Jesus. You follow the one who told you, lay up your treasures in heaven. You follow Jesus, who for the joy set before him, endured the cross. You follow Jesus, that though he was rich, for your sake he became poor. So where are you in God's plan and prerogative? You're still in the wilderness. You're still clinging to God's word. You're still in the conquest. You're in a spiritual war. You may even be asked to lay down some of your blessings so that you can bring others into blessing. All this to say, now in this new covenant era, in these last days, the cross still comes before the crown. But I'll say this in closing, though. That doesn't make God's blessings any less certain. Don't think for a second that this makes his blessings any less certain. On the other side of our struggle, you will have, remember those blessings to the tribes? You will have mercy and might and ministry and safety and plenty and power and vocation and happiness. You'll have all the things the tribes are promised and more because you are the spiritual descendants of these tribes. And whereas Israel's blessings, though, they hinged on their own covenant faithfulness, for you these blessing, blessings hinge on Christ's covenant faithfulness so they are so very certain for you and whereas israel was never able to hang on to these blessings remember the exile you will hang on to them forever and ever only growing never diminishing because they're eternal for you secure in christ 
Because through it all, Jesus is the chief blessing. Through him, you have all things. That's why Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 3, he says, All things are yours. All things are yours. Whether Paul or Apollos or Cephas or the world or life or death or the present or the future, all are yours. And you are Christ's and Christ is God's. This is our great hope. Properly understood. Our hope of unimaginable blessing in Christ. How happy the people whose God is the Lord. Amen. Let's pray. Father, blessed indeed we are to know you, to have our sins forgiven, everything else, Lord, enjoyed now and laid up for us in the future, Lord. So we pray, please give us faith to see the blessings we have, uh, to believe in the blessings that are soon to come for all of us, Lord. And now, Lord, in this moment that we live, help us to follow our, our suffering Savior, Lord, even to the cross, for the joy set before us, so we might bring blessing to others. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.